Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. We're in our relationship series at the moment. It's called I Can Relate. And we've looked at a number of things. We've looked at being a peacemaker rather than a peacekeeper. We've looked at managing our expectations. We've looked at uh, judgment and different levels of relationships and friendships. Today we're looking at how Jesus related to the people who were closest to him. What did Jesus do? How did he relate to the ones that God gave him? The the ones that God wanted him to develop and to build up. The ones that God wanted him to do life with. See, we cannot develop and build up and do life with every single person we meet. You sanguines. You can't. Yeah, really. But God has given people to you. God has given you people to follow. And he has given people that will follow you. Jesus followed God. He said, I only do what I see my father doing. And his disciples followed him. He actually prays, and we're looking at that prayer very soon. He said, I don't pray for the world. I pray for those you have given me. God has given you people. Your spouse, your friends, your children, if you have children. The people that are close to you, how are you going to relate to those people he has given you? Because he's given you people. Jesus gives us keys because he, he is our perfect example. He is at the center of everything. And if he is at the center, it makes sense for us to look at how he treated people. Yeah? Makes sense? Look at how he dealt with those people that were closest to him, the people around him, his disciples, how he loved them, how he developed them, how he built them, how he did life with them. So these are, there are four different things that we're going to look at today that we're going to take on board for us as we do. And I'm sure we already do all of these things. The first thing he did is he prayed for them. We love prayer. At C3 Watson. We believe in the power of prayer at C3 Watson. Yes, we do. He prayed for them. John 17, there are a whole heap of verses. I'm not going to read them all, but I'm going to read some of them. Verse 9, Jesus says, My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. Now I am departing, verse 11, Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in the world and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. Verse 15, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Verse 16 and 17, they do, belong, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Jesus prays. For protection, he prays for unity, he prays that their relationship with God would grow, 
He prays that their witness, that their light would be strong. They're really great examples of how we can pray for those people that he has given us. You know, part of loving others is to pray for them. To cry out to God for his protection over their lives. That they would know God if they don't. If they do know God, that their relationship with God would be stronger and it would grow. That there would be unity in their relationships. Who finds it tough when there's disunity in, a, in relationships? Absolutely, it is hard going. That pray that there would be unity. That they would shine in the darkness. You know, parents, one of the most powerful things, and at times, as they grow, the only thing we can do for our kids is to pray for them. It gets to a point. (laughs) That's about all you can do. And it's the most powerful thing you can do. Pray. Pray for protection. Pray for unity. Pray for their future spouse. Pray for all of those things. Have you prayed the word of God over another person's life? Now that's going for it. That's where the power is. I remember a situation with a beautiful lady who I love dearly, who's going through a hard time. And we we, we actually didn't pray in the same room, but she went to her space and I went to mine because we were really busy at the time. Her home, I was at my home. And we both prayed, we read through and prayed the same passage of scripture. We just, it's the sword. It will change things. And I tell you, it changed just like that. She texted me and she said, everything has changed. That's a big thing, guys, because it was really bad until then. I love praying for other people. I pray for other people every day of my life. I pray for my family. I pray for you. Rather than worry about an issue, I pray about an issue. I call God, the, the creator of heaven and earth, to move on someone's behalf because I can and so can you. It's one of the greatest joys of my life. It really is. In various groups that I have been a part of over the years, I remember one lady who had been estranged from her family for 20-something years. And we were sharing and she said, I really, really want this to shift. And so we decided as a group, that we were going to pray. And I'm here to tell you today that it shifted. We're talking 20-something years. In my current group, what have we seen happen in in the last six weeks? We've seen a house sold. We've seen a job got. That's not good language, is it? But a job. We've seen another house purchased. You know, these are awesome things because we pray. Jesus prayed for his disciples. The second thing he did was he vindicated them when they were accused. He stood up for them. Let's read Matthew 12. About that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. But some Pharisees saw them. And they protested, look at your disciples. They're breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. 
Jesus said to them, haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. And haven't you read in the law of Moses that the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is one who is even greater than the temple. But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices, for the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. For you would not have condemned my innocent disciples. The Pharisees were accusing Jesus' disciples of doing the wrong thing. And Jesus would have none of it. He stuck up for them. He said they're innocent. Part of loving others, part of being in a relationship with others is to stand up for them when people are accusing them. To stand up for them when they aren't around to stand up for themselves. I've got your back, it's okay. If someone is getting stuck into another person, what is your response? Tell me more. Give me the gas. Accusation, slander. Yeah, well absolutely that person did that. Jesus didn't say to the Pharisees, you are so right. Man, if I could just tell you, these bunch of guys that I'm with, if I could just tell you what Peter did last week. And John, I mean, really John, he really needs to work on this, this and this. He didn't do it. I had someone come up to me one day and tell me something that was totally untrue. It was, it was slander against somebody. Totally untrue. And I just looked them straight back in the face and I said, I find that really, really hard to believe. In fact, I don't think that's true. <laughs> it turns out that the whole thing was a lie and this person was just out to slander someone. We need to be people who have each other's back. A great example of this is Jonathan with David. Jonathan had David's back. Saul, Jonathan's father, the king, was insecure and he had it in for David. And eventually he'd had enough and he decided, right, that's it, I'm going to kill him. That was his answer to his insecurity. It pushed him to do all sorts of silly, wrong things as insecurity can. 1 Samuel 19. The next morning, Jonathan spoke with his father about David, saying many good things about him. Saying many good things about him. The king must not sin against his servant David, Jonathan said. He's never done anything to harm you. He has always helped you in any way he could. Yeah, that's standing up for someone, right? This is, he's talking to the king. I mean, it's his father, but he's the king. And Jonathan, he, he put it on the line. He spoke up. He, he brought the, the truth. And the impact was extreme. Saul listened to his son and he decided not to kill David. That's extreme. Who thinks that's extreme? That's extreme. You may not save a person's life, but you could save their reputation. You could save a relationship. You could save a marriage. You could save a lot of heartache as you speak up for people. Okay, here's the third thing. 
The third thing Jesus did was he showed them tough love. Matthew 8. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? Why do you have so little faith? And he got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? Even the winds and the waves obey him. You've probably heard this story, I'm sure. The disciples in the boat, Jesus asleep, disciples freak out. Jesus, don't you care? He woke up, stilled the waves, told them they had, didn't have enough faith. He didn't wake up and say, guys, I'm so sorry, you poor, poor, poor things. Really, how could I have been so mean as to be asleep and to not be there when you needed me? Which is what they wanted. They wanted a pat. They wanted, oh, you poor thing. He said, what are you doing, guys? Sometimes what we want is not what we need. They needed some tough love. They needed someone to say to them, come on. Part of loving others is to tell them what they need to hear over what they don't want to hear. Proverbs 26 is a great verse. It says this, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Isn't that a great verse? Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. I love my friends especially when they tell me something that I need to know that maybe I've got a blind spot over. We don't just need the good news. We don't just need the encouragement. We need all of these things. We don't need people stroking us. We need truth. If we really love someone, we will tell them what they need to hear, even if it's not the popular answer. Now, this is not an excuse to just blow someone out of the water. Can I say that? It's not an excuse to be hurtful. It's not an excuse to be harsh because that isn't love. That's just trying to make me feel better. By That's not what I'm saying. Love looks out for the interests of others and tells them things that are hard to hear but they need to hear. It helps people to take responsibility. I was talking with a pastor friend during the week. We've been in Melbourne most of the week. And um, her daughter bought something online. Don't you love online? <laughs> and put her credit card in, her mum's credit card <laughs> in, <laughs> and didn't realise that she'd signed up to a monthly how can you buy some clothes online and at the same time sign up to a monthly fee? It's possible because it happened and $400 later when they realised. And 
they said, okay, so, lovely daughter, so you'll be paying that $400 off with your pocket money. Because some parents go, oh, look, I'll, I'll, I'll fix it for you. And then their children end up with a $20,000 debt. <laughs> I remember being in a highly emotional situation with a co-worker and there was the pastor who was running the whole ship or whatever you want to call it, the church even, that's probably a good word. <laughs> we are a ship, we're a fishing vessel, not a cruise ship, just in case you wondered. Um, so my co-worker and I were not getting on as we should and they, it sounds terrible, doesn't it? But they treated me quite badly and they admit that. And so we had this little situation where we were talking it out with the pastor and they apologised. Anyway, we, we sorted through it and they left the room. But the pastor turned around and he said to me, you know, yes, they did the wrong thing, but your attitude at the moment is really bad and it hasn't helped and you need to change your attitude because you're in control of your own attitude. And I went, oh, okay. <laughs> it was true. I didn't want to hear it, but it was true. So very true. Love at times must be tough. If we love someone, we will tell someone what they need to hear, not just what they want to hear. The last thing that Jesus did with the people closest to him, which is incredibly powerful, is that he believed in them. Mark 16, and then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptised will be saved, but anyone who refuses to let believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with, uh, with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. So Jesus had risen from the dead. He was just about to ascend to heaven. And he had this group of, of people that had been hanging around with him for three years and they'd seen all sorts of things go on. They'd seen people healed. They'd seen the dead raised. They'd seen demons cast out. They'd seen eyes open. They'd seen deaf people hear. They'd seen bread multiply. They'd seen some amazing things. But his physical body was going and he wasn't going to see them again until a very long time but he decided to leave the future of the church in the hands of this group of people gee what an amazing god the whole future of christianity christianity was being left in the hands of these people how how why because he believed in people he believed in them. And part of the way that we love and care for the people in our lives is to believe in them. We have the privilege of being able to help 
and encourage another person into their destiny. That is huge. Of being able to help put confidence into someone. Be able to help them to see something that we see in them that maybe they don't see themselves. Because people don't see what's in them a lot of the time. And they need someone to draw it out. And that is what Jesus did for three years with these guys. And that is what we get to do with those people that he has given us. If a leader asks you to step up and take on a role in this place, it's because they believe in you. And they can see something in you. Teachers do this all the time. They see a seed of something in another person and they try to draw it out. Real friends do it for their friends. They see something and they draw it out. You know what? It requires us to look outside of ourselves. Hey, it's not all about me. And to tap into what God wants to do for someone else. And that's the way relationships are designed to work. It's a privilege to see something in another person put there by God, as yet unrecognized by them, and be a part of, the, of bringing it out of them. And it all happens because we start to believe in them. I have had so many people over the years do this for me. The guy that started the first church in C3 Church in Canberra, Peter McHugh, did that when he saw a shy girl who loved to sing and worship God, but who didn't say boo to a goose, whatever that means. Um, and he said, come and lead worship. And I did it. And then Wayne and Hillary back, who said, I think you should lead a congregation. And I went, really? I don't think I can, but okay. And I did that. And then they said, well, just take the church. We're off. <laughs> there were a few years in between those steps. <laughs> Richard Green, C3 Ride, emailed me one day and he said, Mel, I think you should do this course, your ma master's in leadership. I said, I can't do it. He said, don't be silly. Of course you can. I would never have done it if he hadn't believed in me. I wouldn't. My husband is the greatest example of this in the world for me who believed in me and kept saying, yeah, go babe, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. Never said no, always said you can do it. That's what Jesus did for those people around him. And that's the privilege of what we get to do. You can. Be their greatest cheerleader. Don't stroke them. See their potential and be their biggest cheerleader. You can come up, band, please. See the seed of greatness in them and draw it out. So we pray for the people in our lives. We defend the people in our lives. We show tough love when they need it. And we believe in the people in our lives. Those are four great things that Jesus did and four great things that we get to do as well. You may not know Jesus this morning, 
But right now I want to give you an opportunity to change that. Right now. I want to give you an opportunity to have a relationship with the person who believes in you, who created you, who actually created great works for you to do. If you haven't met him, you're missing out on all that he has for you and in just knowing and receiving and experiencing the great love that he has in his heart for you. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.